Guten Tag, Frau and Fraulein. Kevin Goatee, Gutting the Sacred Cow. We're back after a little itty-bitty hiatus. And this week, wow, what a doozy. We got John Fugelsang from Sirius XM 127. He's been on Coyote Ugly, CSI. Uh, and John has me on his show every month on Sirius, so you can check me out there as well. But boy, John loathes Gone with the Wind. Hear how and why he hates it. In the meantime, thank you so much for sharing our our social media, at Gutting the Sacred Cow, telling your friends, sharing the podcast. Can't thank you enough. We also have stickers now available. Hit me up. I'll send you some stickers in the mail. No big deal. Gutting the Sacred Cow. Cannot thank you enough. Still looking for more advertisers, guys. We are going to be having a few new advertisers join us in the next few weeks slash months. But there's plenty of room for more. So at Gutting the Sacred Cow at Hotmail.com, hit us up. And here you go. Here's John Fugelsang doing Gone with the Wind. Hey, everybody. Gutting the Sacred Cow. We're back, Kevin Israel. We are. Episode 18. Just want to say thanks to everybody who's been following, subscribing, and more importantly, sharing us. Only uh, getting good reviews. We are. It's, and it's not just plants, even though we have plenty of those plant, those people here. Too. And I know a lot of assholes, so they would tell me if they hated <laughs> They would love to say they hated the show. And I think the real cool thing is how I just texted you the other day that we're number, I think, 33 in, on iTunes in film reviews, and we haven't done a new episode in two weeks. We got staying power. And because of that staying power, we're able to get some high-profile names, like my friend from SiriusXM. I've done his show, Jesus, I don't know how many times now. John Fugelsang is going to join us today. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, Kevin and Kevin. How are you guys doing? Great. We had uh, one of your other buddies on a couple weeks ago to do The Hangover, and that's none other than Mark Riccadonna. Oh, wow. Mark hates The Hangover, huh? He was not a fan of he it. Came, he was very fired up about it. He really right didn't on. like it. This was really hard for me to choose which movie I, I really loathe the most because uh, I, I try to not you know pick on artists too much. I try to go after politicians and celebrities, uh, and I, I there's so many movies that I do hate, and there's even like John Hughes movies that I just think are horrible. But after uh, the president praised Gone with the Wind, <laughs> said it should have won Best Picture even though it was released 80 years ago, uh, I kind of thought, well, it, it feels right to explain why it's so grotesque to uh, call that the greatest movie of all time, but kind of makes sense for certain people to really like it. So you thought you were safe in criticizing an 80-year-old movie? You know what, man? I mean, this movie, <laughs> look, I'll, I the movie I'm picking, it, it has its merits. There's some great performances in it, but yeah, pound for pound, it's it's pretty evil. It's not the worst movie ever made, of course, but it in many ways is the worst movie ever made in spite of how great the direction and the acting is. Well, it's funny. As I was doing my research for this, I mean, look, everyone knows Gone with the Wind. I took film cl- I took so many film classes. Hell, that was my major. I never saw this, John. I'm 43. Kevin also is 43. We both have never seen this. So when, when you told me, hey, let's do Gone with the Wind, I go, you know what? Now's the time to pull the trigger on this. And when doing my homework, I... I ha- again, I know it's loved and regarded, and, and and I had no idea how successful financially it was. But in yeah. do- look, looking at the reviews, Jesus Christ, this is almost its own cult, and the yeah. amount of people who defend the living shit out of this film. Like I knew people liked it, but again, I was just floored actually at the number of people who were just ready to die on the vine for this one. I feel like you could reply to every review just with "Okay, boomer." <laughs> huh. Well, uh, you know what? I have a lot of uh, older relatives down south that would be really unhappy at what I'm going to say about uh, it. <laughs> wait till we get to those uh, user reviews, I, yeah. but I hear you. But let's, let's get into some statistics here. Kevin Israel, our favorite game. We're going to play Guess the Number. What is the IMDb score for Gone with the Wind? Oh, I bet it's got to be like a 9-2. 
Eight one. Wow. A little lower than I, I was going to say nine ish as well. Yeah. Rotten Tomato score. Critics, give me percentage. I bet that's it's got to be like a ninety three percent. Ninety one. Audience, I'm going to say the same. Ninety three. Wow, I had it backwards. Yeah. I had it backwards. Boom. Now this is this blew me away because we live in the time now of comic book films and how. You know what a cash cow they are. They're just money printing presses. This film made in since 19, well, 1939, it made three hundred and thirty nine. Sorry, three hundred and ninety three million in nineteen thirty nine. This film played in the theaters. Want to take a guess how long in the theaters it played for? Uh, I you know what I I saw something about this and I can't remember what it was. I felt like it was over a year. 107 weeks, two years plus Jeez. in the theater. Yeah. And again, it's, I, go ahead, John. Sorry. I think, it, I think it was the top grossing film of all time up until the 1970s when The Godfather came out. Well, if you adjust for inflation, John, it still is the highest grossing film. 3.7 billion worldwide. Still more than Avengers Endgame. There are still people calling this like the hollywood movie like this is the movie that set the stage for every future major hollywood movie i agree with that it is i mean you know the direction is incredible the art direction the performances are pretty great there's a lot of great acting in the movie um and it's a great example of hollywood uh having just grotesque morals to make a buck so i think in many ways it's the ultimate hollywood film quotes from gone with the wind we all know the big one frankly my dear i don't give a damn i mean that's obviously a top five film you know quote in the lexicon since you know 1939 here's a second one that caught my eye and ear cheer up maybe you'll have an accident (laughs) (laughs) i have one what was yours this is good i'm gonna start using this with my wife you need to be kissed and kissed often by Ah. someone who knows how That's romance right there. Is this before or after the forcible rape at the bottom this of the was, stairs? This was before, but it was yeah, it before. was like a little, it was foreshadowing to the rape that was to come. <laughs> I like I like him kind of apologizing like, yeah, I was a little drunk last night. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, no big deal. He's laying in bed. Five fun facts, gentlemen. Director David Selznick wanted 2,500 extras during the aftermath on the battlefield, but SAG at the time, Screen Actors Guild, only had 1,500 members. So he had 1,000 realistic dummies created to make up the difference, or as I call that, 1,000 flat earthers. Hi-oh! Yeah. Sorry. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn was the first time audiences heard a curse word in a film. Oh, my goodness. Talk about the clutching of the pearls, right? And director David Selzer was fined $5,000, which he gladly paid because, of course, it stirred up controversy and curiosity. Although Selznick did not want a $15,000 fine for a cutout line where Butler calls Scarlett O'Hara a cunt-faced cockhopper. <laughs> cunt-faced cockhopper. Thank you. That one's made up, of course. Uh, fun fact number three. Clark Gable was married to two women at the time of the filming. Filming, excuse me. Vivian Lee was also married during filming, but carried on a not-so-discreet affair with Sir Lawrence Fishburne. No, Olivier. Uh. Margaret Mitchell, author of the book, Wanted who as Rhett Butler? One guess, gentlemen. Uh, I a, have no idea. Big name from the early, from that time, Groucho Marx. That would have been a whole different movie. It would. Have I been. find that hard to believe. Well, Wikipedia doesn't lie, John. Come on. Wow. And the daughters <laughs> of the. Con- Sorry, John. Go ahead. 
No, no, go ahead. And the Daughters of the Confederacy were against Vivian Lee because they did not want an Englishwoman cast as Scarlet. But they stopped complaining when they heard Catherine Hepburn were going to roll. Their logic, better a Brit than a Yankee. Ooh, 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 ooh. Wow, they really, really hate the North. Is that go dogs kind of thing from Georgia? <laughs> Margaret Mitchell died 10 years after the film came out. She was struck by a car after leaving a theater and died five days later, which sounds better than sitting through this film again or any Pete Davidson SNL sketch. <laughs> Yaza! Boom. <laughs> I did not just stand up yet, so I can't probably poop on that. But again, we brought our guest on, John Fugel, saying he picked the show. So, John, the floor is yours. We want you to pitch us and say why the uh, Gone with the Wind is an egregious piece of shit or you hate it. So, please, got, got the, the sacred cow. Where to begin? Let's begin with four hours, okay? The actual uh, civil war that took over half a million lives only took about three and a half. This movie is longer than the entire war. Um, and it was really hard to pick, like, for me, what's the worst movie of all time? Because, to be honest... I think in many ways the, wor- the worst movie I've ever seen is, uh, is Glass, which came out last year. Terrible. I agree. Terrible. Was, I, agree. I had to go see it. One of the stars was on our SiriusXM show. And considering the talent involved and the device of having it being a sequel to two different movies, bringing them all together, and then to have it be such a low-budget piece of gorilla crap, I mean so much so that like two-thirds of the movie takes place on one set in an abandoned building. It was so cheaply – the whole climax takes place in a parking lot. The character of Bruce Willis you cared about so much and Unbreakable just dies by being drowned in a puddle. In a puddle. I mean, it's the worst movie, pound for pound. But but in terms of just historic odiousness, because no one's going to remember Glass, but Gone with the Wind, which is is so huge. And I believe your criteria are it's got to be a movie that made a lot of money, that a lot of people loved and critics really admired. Uh, I think that I can nail it on all three. This movie... Look, the good things first. Vivian Lee is terrific as Scarlet. Uh, Clark Gable is dynamite as Rhett, even though they're both horrible people who are hateful. Um, Thomas Mitchell is great in it. And the direction, the art direction, the, the special effects, the color, the, it's visually it's beautiful. The music's great. OK, I can see why people would love it. Why is it bad? Where do we begin? This movie is all about making you feel sympathetic for the most horrific violent injustice in the country's history. Every character in this film believes in an incredibly racist, evil cause. This movie is like making a film about all the happy people who live near Auschwitz and then the <laughs> allies ruin their good day. Um, and, and you can just, just flip it to Germany and you'll see. I mean, and these people, it's all about having sympathy, sympathy for the bad guys. These people were not the injured parties. They were the rebels. They started this war by by breaking the law. But from the very beginning, the movie shows all of the plantation owners as the most innocent folks. They're so loyal to their beautiful country, determined to just keep up this perfect, honorific culture they have. And that culture is keeping people as livestock and working them to death. And the film would be bad enough if it showed the happy slave owners. But it goes happy slaves. In the very first scene, when you see the happy slaves wrapping up their day, quitting time. Yep. Who says it's quitting time? I says it's quitting time. <laughs> I was the warden. I say when it's quitting time, quitting time. These are people whose ancestors were kidnapped, raped, brought across the ocean in terrible conditions, resulting in cruel deaths, had their children and parents stolen from them. Uh, the estimates historically are 20 percent of uh, Africans died on the way over. But we never see that. We never see slaves who are beaten. 
We never see slaves who are punished for not obeying. I mean, even George Washington had the slaves at Mount Vernon beaten if they ever fought with each other. But uh, Mammy, no John, way. what about <laughs> Mammy? She was so well, lovable. Y- let's talk about her because she first African-American to win the Oscar. And, yeah. and, and not able kids. to attend the ceremony either. Well, she was able to attend, but she wasn't allowed to sit at the same place right. as Clark Gable and Vivian Lee. Butterfly McQueen was not even allowed in the building. Hattie McDaniel won, and there's footage of her accepting the Oscar. And I've always wondered how it must have felt for her. She almost seems to be a bit embarrassed in accepting the award because, let's be honest, her portrayal is dynamite. She has so much strength and dignity and humor, and she's she's wonderful. But Mammy is like the only strong, independent woman in the film. The white women in this movie make you never want to date a white woman yeah. again. I mean, Melly is there to make Scarlett look strong, and Scarlett is like the Gandhi of self-pity. <laughs> By the way, he also does – there's no mixed-race kids, uh, you know, because slave owners were allowed to rape the women they owned. Looking at you, Jefferson. What we get here are these really happy servants who are born to serve the O'Hara family in this big fuck-off house. And they're like, where, where do I begin? I mean, when the South is falling and you got tens of thousands who are dying and, and, and maimed and Sherman's March on Atlanta is shown literally like it's a fall into hell because of the North. These poor victimized slave owners and the slaves are locked in a hell of the North's creation and they never did anything to bother anybody. Um, You never hear about the South initiating the Civil War by attacking Fort Sumter. You never hear about heroic General Lee keeping the Confederacy going by just grinding uh, men to death. Uh, Robert E. Lee ordered his men to shoot surrendering black troops from the Union. We don't hear about how Lee invaded the North to try and take the capitals and the rest of the country so we'd have slavery all around America. Um, You just see these soldiers, and it's an amazing scene. See, the reason this film is so bad is because the film is so good. There's such great artistry towards such a disgusting, vulgar, horrible storyline, these maimed soldiers dying in the streets of Atlanta. Uh, I, I mean, it's incredible to watch, but there's never any suggestion that you should question their cause. Those guys are dying in the streets in Atlanta, and these nice ladies are trying to tend to these bleeding soldiers because rich guys wanted to keep human beings as pets. And right nearby was Andersonville, where the Union prisoners were held in the most horrible conditions uh, humanity's ever known, at least in this country. Um, but again, there's no reality in this movie because reality totally spoils the fantasy of the horror that the South did to keep slavery going. And, you know, people now say states' rights. That was over states' rights. I mean, that's a continuation of the same lie this movie goes. Now, that's just in terms of themes. Also, everyone in this movie that's white is an incredibly shitty human. Uh, yep. Scarlet, mm-hmm. when I first saw it as a kid, I hated it because I thought Scarlet was a, a completely self-absorbed, spoiled brat. And she is. She kind of brings all this on herself. But when she grows in the story, she gets stronger and more self-reliant. She never gets any awareness. She never gets any empathy for other people. She never realizes, holy crap, I own people. I'm a fucking monster. It's Rhett funny Butler, that you say that because the whole movie – because, again, I, I had not seen this movie until I watched it a couple days ago. The whole movie, I was waiting for Scarlet to turn. Yeah. And that, that moment of, of realization and self-actualization where she was going to say, I need to do this on my own. I need to stop being such a self-centered bitch. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make right. And there were a few moments where I thought it was going to happen when she was in the hospital, the, the, yeah. the thrown together yeah. hospital, or when she saved the baby. And all, all these moments. And it never happened. Never happened. She just wants to become a martiro. martyr for I mean, her she, entire for the rest of her life. Carrot, she 
She barfs up a rotten carrot. She makes a dress out of curtains. But you're right. <laughs> she she never, ever realizes. And she can't because the movie is about perpetuating this myth of Southern honor when it was really just, you know, protecting a culture that was about kidnapping, rape, stealing children and enslavement for life. And none of them were actually honorable. No, it's all propaganda, the whole thing. And the worst part about this movie, to me, the worst part about this movie is that it's regarded as a classic. You know, like some movies, sorry, the cat hates it too. Some movies <laughs> like, like Birth of a Nation, we can watch that and just say, oh my God, this is abominable, but it's, we can appreciate it as a film. Gone with the Wind, there's still millions of people. People listening to your excellent podcast have grandparents who will defend this movie. And, and again, I mean, once you get past the actual propaganda, and and this romanticized ignorance and this 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 you know cinematic conquest of reality, uh, it, it's almost watching it like slavery doesn't exist. I mean, none of the evils of slavery are ever shown once in this film, except as some kind of detached uh, uh, concept. But once you get into the characters, they're all dicks. And uh, I'll tell you who's a dick. I mean, Scarlett's a dick. The dad Brett. was a douche too. Oh, I mean, Huge yeah, douche. totally. Even the baby, Bonnie Blue's a dick. Yep. Bonnie Blue is the one. <laughs> I want to ride horses. I'm going to jump over fucking fences. All right, Christopher Reeve, good luck. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you, you think the way the way the dad died that they'd forbid the kid to stop riding horses. <laughs> like, listen, guys, horses in this family just don't fucking mix. How about that? <laughs> I mean, first off, she's nicknamed for the Confederate flag. So she, so even her name is evil. She's this irritating toddler, and I live with one. I know how bad they can be, but she's awful. <laughs> Me too. But then the worst thing is you, you, you start to like her a little bit. You start to like her a little bit, uh, even though she's obnoxious, and then she dies. So it's like... You feel bad about hating her, and it spoils all the fun. And by the way, she dies after falling maybe a foot and a half. Yeah, right? yeah. it was one of the most abrupt, anticlimactic deaths next to the father's. The, oh, uh, the dad fall off the horse? Yeah. <laughs> like, every and death both- in here was just like, oh, they're dead. Okay, yeah, moving they, on. They all, must be, they, all must be, they all must be osteoporotic as fuck because, they, like you said, it's a foot and a half fall. The bones must be brittle as an 85-year-old if that's going to kill them. <laughs> That's natural selection, John. I think the good guys win after all. Darwinism. I think you're right. I think, look, and, and again, and then Rhett doesn't want to bury the baby. I mean, like that it's, was it's yeah. so dark. It's and, psycho-ish. And like, Norman Bates. But, and, and these two deaths, they don't, they don't really – they're just there as soap opera plot points. They're not there for the story. They're there to make you feel sad. They don't actually advance anything. Right. They don't mean anything. They're totally arbitrary, and it's just like some – some, you know, like uh, throwback uh, M. Night Shyamalan shitty plot twist that's meant to be storytelling. And Pretty it, much just... every death in this. That was yeah. that was true for every death. Mm. Her, when both of her husbands die, there was no moment where you're like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Her father dies. I, I didn't really feel anything. The kid dies. The friend dies. First of all, everybody should just stay away from Scarlett O'Hara. Clearly, she's cursed. And she's right, everybody around death. her dies. But all the die, all the deaths were. You're right. Are so anticlimactic and really serve no purpose in the plot. Well, but you know what the purpose is in the movie. They they serve no purpose in the plot. The purpose in the movie is to make you feel sorry for these people who are actually monsters who own people, uh, who who own people who are stolen from their parents, stolen from their homeland. I mean, like this movie is Exhibit A and how America still doesn't take slavery seriously. When Donald Trump the other night said. Uh, you know, why'd they give Best Picture to, to Parasite, which is kind of hilarious him saying that. Yeah, right. But like, <laughs> he definitely know, didn't I, see I, that. I, movie. I get why Trump doesn't like it. It's two hours of subtitles, and uh, <laughs> the man's never been big on reading. But like, when he says, what, what about Gone with the Wind? Why couldn't that win? And the crowd of idiots cheered. And then he said, What about Sunset Boulevard? No cheers, because they were all like, 
Huh? A little gay for us, Rob. A little gay, a little gay for us. <laughs> but they, they love Gone with the Wind because Gone with the Wind exists for one reason, to make people feel good about slave culture. That's it. I got to be. I, I, I can't be the only one who laughed when uh, Mammy would call the girls white trash. Don't be white trash. You're white trash. Okay, I was hilarious. shocked that that term existed. I was back too. Then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One other thing I was yeah. I, I noted too. I was very surprised that the choice racial slur was just. I mean, I'm, I'm minimizing, but darky. I thought that was like that's it. Like, come on. I, well, there was. It's funny that you say that. There was a scene, and I, I should have written it down. I saw where she where she goes. Are you trying to call me? Uh, and they cut her off. And and like the N word was on the tip of her tongue. And for whatever reason, they chose yeah. that that was the line where they wouldn't go. Bonus fun fact: the director had a scene which made the KKK look in a positive Heroic. light and the NAACP stepped in which surprised me more because I had no idea the NAACP was around in 1939 but they said nope we're not buying that and they had to cut that scene that made the KKK look positive exactly right they, it was so racist they had to cut some of the racist stuff out and again the entire movie is there to make the viewer feel good about relatively recent history because this was 1939 right the war had only been over for a little over 65 years uh less than 65 years so the civil war i mean there were people who you know had had been alive for the civil war who were alive to see this movie so again it really was propaganda and romanticizing this whole culture that was built on slavery uh and and to me the worst thing about it is just that it's so freaking popular and and that it is so blind to the morality. It is no different than having a feel-good film about exterminating Jews until the Allies come to ruin your day. And I saved the best for last. Um, Rhett rapes her. He, he rapes her. <laughs> like, there's a rape in the movie. But she yeah, likes it Horrible after. porn name, she, by the way, Rhett rapes her. That's a horrible porn name. She, she, she looks so happy the next morning. She sure did. He gave her the rape she needed. I mean, <laughs> replace the word kiss and you need to be kissed and kissed a lot. Right. Raped. And you get the exact idea of how they view women. Um, by the way, Butterfly McQueen, uh, uh, usually when people shit on this movie, they, they go all after Prissy. I don't know nothing about bursting with babies. Butterfly McQueen um, said it was an incredibly demeaning experience to do this movie. You and don't say. Yeah, before, especially I mean, for her character. <laughs> yeah. And look at the character, right? Look at Prissy. She's a child stolen from her mother, stolen from her mother to be this shallow, bratty, white bitch's handmaiden in the middle of a war zone. And the shallow, bratty white woman keeps smacking her for not knowing how to be a midwife. Scarlet is so racist and abusive and everything about Prissy makes me angry and sad. Butterfly McQueen wasn't allowed to the Oscars. But here's a cool uh, footnote. She had a cameo many years later, 1986, in Peter Ware's The Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, yeah. Where he goes down to South America and he goes crazy and starts a, a cult. There's one scene where Andre Gregory plays the, the, the reverend who comes to visit. And he stops to talk to this old woman who lives in the cult. And it's Butterfly McQueen. She's in one scene in the movie. But you can directly connect this to the 80s because she's in a Harrison Ford movie. It's incredible That's, to see her in it. Wow. And, uh, you know, so I, I got nothing against the black actors in this movie. Hattie McDaniel deserved her Oscar. But the only good thing about this movie is that it led to the first African-American getting an Oscar. That's that's it. I mean, a- and yes, you pointed out, Kevin, uh, Rhett literally doesn't just rape her. He roots for her to miscarry. And she does. I think he must be uh, Patrick Bateman's grandfather from American Psycho. 
<laughs> Rebecca, get on all fours so Stephanie can see your asshole. Like, I was waiting for that kind of shit to go down. Prissy sounded a lot like Hooks from Police Academy. Yes. Oh, my God. Wrote that down. Yes. Right wow. here. She she did excuse have... Excuse me. Excuse she, me. She did have the most obnoxious voice in the world, and I, I didn't know a lot about the actress, and I, I spent the whole time trying to figure out, did the director actually say, this is how I want you to sound? Just you, sound, you need to sound like a child. I feel like they were trying to make her sound like a child. By the way, three directors worked on this film. Three. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. And again, I take nothing away from the artistry. I mean, the, the people who worked on this film, uh, actors, crew, lighting, did a great job. The use of color in this film is gorgeous. Um, I mean, it, it's visually stunning. But, like, you know, when I first saw it as a kid, I, I, I hated it because I hated all the people in it. I just thought Ashley Wilkes was a, was a punk uh, I, I thought Melanie was just a, a waste of donor organs. I thought Scarlett was the most horrible person. I liked Red, but even as a kid, I knew he was a bastard. Uh, years later, when I was a young adult, I saw it, and I thought, wow, this is this movie's pretty dumb about racism. And then they had a big uh, anniversary re-release, and, the, and I saw it. My wife and I saw it in L.A. in the big screen. We went to the Ziegfeld and saw it. Oh, I mean, wow. the uh, Man's Chinese Theater to see it on big screen. And, like, I walked out of it thinking, wow, that is just the most tone-deaf a vulgar movie so much so that like it, it kind of works as a moral IQ test when you talk to people because the entire movie is just all about sustaining this myth that this monstrous genocide was a noble, beautiful thing. The civil war was the worst disaster in this country's history. More people died in that war than in all of our wars combined. Yeah. And that war happened for one reason, because their whole economy was based on owning people and working them to death, and they were afraid that they would cut into their profits if slavery got bad, and that's why all this suffering happened. Well, you know so what? Like, it's 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 funny that you take that that view on it because you'd seen it you'd seen it a couple of times through your life at different points in your life. I yeah. saw it for the first time as a forty three year old man in twenty twenty, and yeah. to me, it almost felt like a parody. Like I couldn't even take <laughs> it that seriously because I was like, this is so ridiculous. That right. like clearly like the the blatant racism, like literally everything they did with with the black culture felt like it was out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I wrote down this: the, "Mammy" is something you would expect from Song of the South. Was a lot yeah. of a lot of the a lot of the later jokes were based off of her. Yeah, like a lot of what Warner Brothers did with the different cartoons, the crows and shit. Yeah, they were. It was all based off yeah. of stuff that was in Gone with the Wind, yeah. and I just never realized it. And by the way, the crows. You know, I'll, I'll defend the. You mean in Dumbo? Those right. Crows? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'll, that's right. Dumbo. I'll defend the crows because, like in Dumbo, I get why those are seen as racist caricatures. But every uh, m- most characters in Dumbo is some kind of a character. The crows are when Dumbo gets rejected by his own people, finds some cool black friends who teach him to be stronger than he knew he was. Uh, and in many ways, yeah, they're all racial archetypes, but they're they're really nice. At first, they try to trick him, then they help him, and in the end, they're still his friends. So the crows are sort of like, you know, there's buckwheat and little rascals. Where, yeah, I can see why it's racist, but as a kid, I, I had never seen white children and black children right. sharing a bed together. So, like, I get why those are racial caricatures, but in the context of the story, they're all positive figures. In the context of this movie, the slaves are all there to love their white owners and just keep this myth of Southern honor going and romanticizing these conditions that like, if you watch this movie, it's impossible to see any evil in the pre-war Southern plantation slavery culture. 
And the whole movie is asking a question. Why would those evil northerners ever want to destroy such a charming, beautiful, graceful South? Yeah. So and you don't think that chicken hunt people... scene was a complimentary scene towards a black culture? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that random uh, scene mean, that was yeah. just so weird. I get it. They like chicken. There you go. Oh, you sly uh, devils. You <laughs> sly devils. Yeah, I just. It's our history. Yeah. It's America's I, history. You know, like, like. George Washington, that my favorite story, when he was a kid and chopped down the cherry tree, I cannot tell a lie, but that story is a lie. It never happened. And that's what this whole movie is all about. It's, it's about having a national ignorance and to romanticize ignorance yeah. and to celebrate ignorance and perpetuate ignorance so we never do anything to address the genocidal murder of this culture. We just go on playing dumb about it. So to this day, you have motherfuckers defending the Confederate flag of treason and slavery without realizing why that's racist or offensive. I mean, the Confederate flag to me, and I'm half Southern, I grew up with it, it's literally a, a white supremacist symbol. All those statues of Confederate generals are white supremacist monuments. This movie is about why white supremacy was the most beautiful thing to ever happen to America, and those evil Northerners, whose motives are never explained, destroyed this, and this beautiful culture was gone with the wind. Pure, I mean, ooh, God, look at that. Pure propaganda this was. In fact, as you said before, John, the slavery was, pun intended, whitewashed. You never oh. see the evils of that one. That is for sure. But I'd say, I mean, I'll just here are a couple points I thought. Look, this film, you mentioned it before. In fact, one more fun fact. The, the sunset scene, they had to enlist the math geeks at UCLA to figure out the correct time and lens and all that shit to get that perfect uh, shot of the sunset. Oh, wow. uh, this film is very – the sweeping landscapes, the swelling music, this, t this is old Hollywood at its best – you know, from an aesthetic viewpoint. Very grandiose. I'll agree. But it's, Very the same much year, so. it's the same year as Wizard of Oz, right. which is a film that gets better every year. They both came out in 1939. was one of the greatest movies of cinema in American history. I mean, the Philadelphia story, there's so many great films. But Wizard of Oz, uh, the other Technicolor masterpiece, just uh, is, is better as the years go by. And this movie gets uglier. I thought... This film was so fucking boring. Yes, the characters have layers, but there's no one there you can get behind. I just didn't care. After like an, I texted Kevin after about an hour and a half or an hour and a half, and I go, I'm ready to, I'm ready to tap out. Yet there are two uh. hours and fifteen more minutes left of this shit. I, I just could not understand it. I understand why AFI and all those guys they loved it. For again, the other reasons of aesthetic and the characters, but man, the plot itself and, and also just. Those AFI dry. guys, like many of us, grew up with this movie. So you know, white people sometimes need to be clobbered over the head. I mean, God bless white people. I like good white people, but sometimes some white people need to actually hear a person say N word on video before they think something's racist. And this movie is sort of like a moral IQ test about it because. And you're right. I mean, it's so freaking long, and it, the timeline makes no sense. It's all over the place. Rhett and Scarlet are ridiculously too old for these characters. My yeah. God. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, David Selznick, he, the, the book was 1,037 pages long. I mean, and the sequel, the sequel was 850 pages long. Wow. That nobody uh, talks about. <laughs> I didn't know there was a sequel. Yeah. I missed that. By the way, speaking of Wizard of Oz, John, you mentioned the, the uh, director of Wizard of Oz actually had a hand in this. He was one he of the did. three directors and then uh, got ousted from that. You've done a right. hell of a uh, John. Any more notes on that before we move on to the next segment of this? Or do you want to uh, continue you know, to the gut love this puppy? The love triangle is just is just like, I mean, on a plausibility level, like the fact that this woman would be into Ashley Wilkes is just. Oh, I, I have notes I, on that. I, I, I get that her father's a monster, but good God. I, I mean, the romantic triangle is just ridiculous in this movie. Noted. I, yeah. uh, so, I mean, I really hate this film. 
We oh, you that, you that, my favorite line is when when Scarlet's father tells her, "You must be firm with inferiors, especially darkies." Yeah, just 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 roll that line at Grandma when she defends this movie. That should have been the tagline for the movie. <laughs> Meow. Um, uh, there were there were a few scenes that just sh- shocked me, and I wondered how historically accurate there was. The, in the beginning, this scene where they have the barbecue and then suddenly all the women go and take a nap and mm-hmm. there's a bunch mm-hmm. of black slaves just fanning them. Right. And yeah. I was like, first of all, this is ridiculous. Yes. Second of all, it's horrifying. Third of all, did this actually happen in in that era? Was there this mass napping time where all the women went and where they were fanned? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have someone fan you, at least have midgets. We understand that. <laughs> so funny. So, I mean, you know, and also Ashley, Ashley Wilkes, like, he, he's he's... <laughs> I mean, you get why a woman would be into Clark Gable, even if he's too old. Ashley, Ashley Wilkes is 46 years old when he made this movie. He didn't want to do it. He had never read the novel. He hated Vivian Lee, And he really doesn't even – like he so phones it in. He doesn't even really try to hide his British accent. I mean it's so ridiculous that Scarlett would be into this wishy-washy guy over the macho alpha male that it, 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 it still doesn't make any sense to me when I watch it. Speaking of the accent, one of my notes, how do all of these Southerners in the film not have a Southern accent? I take offense to that, sir. They, they, I'm a proud Southerner, man. I was waiting to hear like a Yosemite Sam ship for the next three hours and 45 minutes. It was all pretty neutral dialect. I say, Maybe, I say, I say, I say, I say, I know what I'm talking about, sir. I was, I was floored. I'm like, I don't hear an accent like I thought I was going to. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Well, when the father had an Irish accent, I was like, what? What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I get Seamus it. Seamus McLooney yeah. down in fucking Atlanta. <laughs> Cut the Thomas bullshit. Mitchell, by the way, who's a great character actor. He was in Lost Horizon. He played Uncle Billy in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, you know, oh yeah, so many good actors in the movie. Um, but like, you know, Malcolm X said that uh, Butterfly McQueen's performance made him feel like crawling under the rug. Like this movie creeped out Malcolm X. Jeez. It was so racist. Here are some notes I have. Let's start in the very beginning. I never understand, like, the two guys, Ashley, I forgot his name already, the two guys hanging over Scarlett O'Hara. Like, today, there'd be nonstop shit-talking. If you're trying to get into one girl's pants, they like, two big ginger brothers? Yeah, as I said. And I said, why did she want two mm-hmm. gingers? Gross. Yeah. Two gingers. Mm-hmm. And Men then, were such cucks back then. Oh, my God. And the guy, listen, the guy who's not up her ass is the guy that's going to get her. Not these two pussies throwing their coats over mud puddles as she crosses the street. Never works. Here's another one. Why haven't all these woke assholes this, in this day and age cried to have this film taken off the AFI list? Yeah, I don't know why this hasn't been canceled yet. This, this is I mean, I prime cancel been, one if they're going to do well, it. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, generally. Woke, generally, you know, I got you, son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> no, I think, but I think like woke people uh, generally aren't in favor of censorship. And I, I don't think you need to do it. I think it's going to be like as the years go by, people will just realize. I mean, the movie Holiday Inn. Uh, with Bing Crosby as this charming little musical until they get to, like, to the Lincoln's birthday scene where all the characters put on blackface. If they and can cancel like, Baby It's Cold Outside, they can cancel Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of problems with it, but I do think that you know the main thing to remember about the movie is that as time goes on, we realize this more, and the majority are often the slowest to realize when something is fucked up. And but so don't you the think there's more and more white people know every year how bad this movie is shows that we are getting better as a people. Well, that's what yeah, then that's what I was gonna say. Don't you think there's a bit of a value in a movie like this when you watch it and you go, "Ugh, Jesus, this makes me uncomfortable." Cringe like, worthy. Like that nine. means we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't ever want people to come out and and say ban this movie, but I do think yeah, on the AFI list, I think as time goes by and people become more moral and more aware that you will see this film dropping lower and lower because again, it, the cinematic achievements are undeniable. The performances are are great. 
It looks great. It's directed really well. There's some stunning advancements in cinema in this movie, but the problems with this movie are what make it the worst movie of all time. And I didn't want to just pick like some some piece of crap, you know. I thought about like Sixteen Candles because that's got a rape scene in the end too, and yeah, it, and does. Sixteen Candles is totally racist. I almost gave you that one when I was a kid. I saw that and I couldn't believe Long Duck Dong, Long Duck Dong. and Anthony Michael Hall like like has sex with a with a girl who's passed out, and that's supposed to be funny. But pound for pound, this movie is just uh, to me a shining jewel in the crown of everything that's wrong with America and how we celebrate the wrong shit. And how no, you picked, white, you picked a juggernaut. We'll just, we'll just do he, anything to protect their ignorance. He's a, John, you're the first one to pick, uh, all three criteria in one. It's usually someone picks one of the three criteria and runs with it. This one, obviously critically acclaimed, obviously a box office success, and obviously widely beloved. So you, you went for the uh, the triumvirate. You went for the uh, the trifecta here. A few more I notes. I really hate the Confederacy, man. <laughs> I don't blame you. And I, the older I get, you know, like I, I was raised half Southern, but I was raised all Christian. And the older I get, the more I'm disgusted by the movie. Uh, and when you and I were talking the other day, Kev, right. it was right after Trump had given the speech and the, all these, you know, racist. Well, they weren't all races at the Trump rally. Maybe they just don't mind racism. But uh, they, they, you know, it was very fresh in my mind from that. So I said, you know, snap judgment. Yeah, Gone with the Wind. I'll say that's the worst movie ever made. And as I've thought about it in the last few days, yeah, man, it really is the worst film ever made. It's I, fun to talk about. It's fun to, like, watch it. And uh, But, yeah, it's it's just insane. I don't want it yanked off the AFI list because of its subject matter. I just want it yanked off because I think it's an egregious piece of shit. I just fucking hate it. I don't know how it could be on this list for this long. And I just – whatever. I, yeah, more, that's, that's fine too. More that's notes, too. more I mean, notes. Leslie oh. Howard is the only guy embarrassed to be there, and he, and he should be. <laughs> Uh, another note, all of these women fainting while bidding on uh, other women. Imagine if those women ever saw the film Taken. They would shit their oh, pants. Jesus. Uh, the fainting oh, you, was... you didn't like, you didn't think the, the, the slave auction scene was tasteful with the white <laughs> yeah. women? Yeah. Well, they were fainting. I was like, really? There's an awful lot of fainting in this film. Uh, so much fainting. Yeah. A lot, a lot of uh, hypoglycemics, so... huh? Everybody caught nope. the vapors. <laughs> the slave auction scene, they're literally pretending to be slaves to raise money so they can keep their slaves. Oh, John, it's all in good fun. Trickle down theory, John. <laughs> Playing Dixie music while the women grab the newspapers to see if they're dead husbands. That's a nice touch, right? Playing the fight uh, song of the South while their husbands find out their, the, the women find out their husbands are dead. Garbage. Lot of cousin marrying in this film. When they oh, talk yeah. about that, well, so and so, they she married her cousin. He married her cousin. You know, they usually marry cousins. Go, Jesus. Keep Christ. it in the family. Keep that stereotype rolling, baby. Pure blood. Pure blood. Which is funny because it's the most fucked up blood when you do the uh, interweaving of genetics and families. An amazingly awful backdrop while they're on the wagon out of Atlanta. Yes. I'm like, that is the laziest fucking. Yes. I know CGI wasn't around, obviously, you but the whole the burn, attempt at Atlanta being on fire. Exactly. Right. When they're when yeah. they fleeing. Well, and when the father was riding the horse to get the to get the varmints or whatever yeah. they he called them was also a really bad scene. But, of, but like what I what I hate the most about that, you're right. It, you know, it hasn't aged well as a kid. I thought it was very powerful and, and scary to watch. But like that, they're literally doing a visual metaphor of hell and that Atlanta has descended into hell and they're trying to escape hell. And the Yankees have brought hell, and they never mention the fact that the Yankees are doing this to stop them from murdering and raping and stealing people and working them to death. Like, it, the, the fire is a part of this movie's moral bullshit hypocrisy. Uh, mm. Much like Alaska in the wintertime, this film goes on way too long. <laughs> this film is 81 years old, so this must have been made before editing was invented. Oh, I already used a line about people. Oh, I'm, I'm cracking up Fugle saying Kevin Israel is seeing that I'm doing my job. And last, like I said, closing thought is this family should not own horses ever, period. Stop. More now, 
We're going on critic five star. Wait, can game. I? Can yeah, I, of course can you I, can. can. I'm sorry. Can go I, ahead, sir. I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I said a. I said a, a number of them. Um, the uh, there was a scene where they're walking through, and this this goes back to John's many points, where they're uh, they're walking through the town, and there's a, a group of of slaves, and they're dancing and they're playing music, and and it looked like they're having like fun in the middle of the. That was also when they were finding out about the the, the soldiers dying, right? And the mm-hmm. and, but the black people are still partying. Because they're yeah. still having yeah. fun. Um, Rhett and and I think I think John, one of you made this point was Rhett just seemed like Scarlett's creepy uncle. He right. seemed way yeah. too old for her. The way he talked to her, it never felt. I never got any chemistry from the two of them. And I know that was always considered one of the great romantic unions in that in in this movie. And I ne- I didn't feel any chemistry between the two of them aside from him treating her like a child. Like it felt like yeah. he wanted. He had more chemistry. He had more romantic chemistry with the daughter than he did with Scarlett O'Hara. I don't mind him treating her like a child because, in fact, she acted like a fucking petulant child. Well, and it's and it's funny because she clearly. I guess she was supposed to be like sixteen, seventeen at the start of this movie, and meanwhile she looked like she was thirty. <laughs> and so to see her acting like this little girl, but it was she was clearly a woman, that was off-putting to me. It took me out of the movie because I was like, this is a woman, and she's like whining to her daddy about, you know, the barbecue or whatever. I, I thought that was... The, the the casting was interesting, <laughs> but they clearly weren't willing to cast a 16-year-old girl in this I part. I agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, like, I don't want to ban the movie, but I think they should have a law that if anybody's ever going to watch it, they should have to watch 12 Years a Slave first. <laughs> and then watch this movie. <laughs> perspective. My, my my last point is there was a good movie in here somewhere that if you took if you took the whole slavery aspect out of it, the whole the whole idea of this girl who falls in love with this guy and then the, the love triangle and the the way the, the the way she survived through the through the war and her home being destroyed and but they just never got to where the movie was supposed what felt like it was supposed to be. And You're right. The story of like a shallow, rich brat girl who her, war comes to her homeland. She goes through hell and learns how to be stronger than she ever knew she could be. Right. That's a story. And right. that's a great story. Right. This plot, however, is not that. And no. it's just it's such a mess. And, you know, David Selznick, I mean, he was pretty liberal and he was Jewish. And so this movie is a lot less racist than the book. Like he, he banned the N word. Uh, but there's and he, they took out the the clan scene, of course. Um, but you know there there is that reference to the political meeting that Rhett and Ashley yes. go to yep. after the attack on yep. Scarlet. So we know what they're talking about. Yep. Kevin Israel, it's now time for our favorite sections, the reviews. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. The critics' reviews, and now, mind you, uh, last guest Gerard Heron had a question: Where do you guys pull re- reviews? At what time frame? I made sure that these are the most recent reviews as like early it. as 2020, 2019, 2018. There are still critics reviewing this movie? There are. That's Here we go. Miss Mitchell used 475,000 words to tell her story. Three hours and 45 minutes is not a second too long in which to recount, in which to recount it in the film transcription. This person loves... To waste time. I feel like they're probably a quadriplegic and they have nowhere to go. Exactly. Oh, I was just going to say, they have <laughs> nothing to do. They sit and they watch the clouds go by. All right. I had to break this up into two sittings. I'm not going to lie. And I broke it up at the intermission, which, by the way, the movie had an intermission. Uh, I got it on Amazon Prime. It did not, but I... So did I. It had a, it, did that, it? That moment where there was just black, black screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was it. That's okay. the, yeah, that was usually the... Because usually they put intermission. Apparently, at some point, they used to... I think it said intermission. Yeah, 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 they did. But... 
that my my wife who had, whose mother this is one of her favorite movies. Uh, Your wife's mother, who's and she's Cuban. Cuban. Yeah, uh, she, and she, I'm sure she just it, the the whole racial undertone and everything just goes way over Whoop! her head, and she just sees the beautiful women and the handsome. Well, I red, never. Uh, she 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 knew it. She was like, "This is the intermission point." And I was like, "Well, this is when we're going to bed because I can't make." There's still two hours left. <laughs> Second review: It's corny and blowsy and phony. The slide trombone in the cinematic orchestra, and not yet it, yet it's not boring. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what was he watching? <laughs> Snuff porn. Gone with the Wind offers the kind of big, rich, opulent experience the movies are in a unique position to often do offer, but seldom do. I agree with that. It was a it was quite a, opulent. It was quite the experience. A huge undertaking. It was a it was an epic movie, probably before epic movies were epic. But I mean, there have been long movies where you didn't feel long. But they didn't feel as long. JFK is one of my favorite films. That's about three hours and fifteen ish minutes, yeah. and it's a fucking breeze. And I could watch it. Yeah, that's it, the that is the remote test right there. There's another remote test yeah. one. This movie felt every minute of the three hours and fifty minutes. Oh. Clark Gable and Vivian Lee create their own sizzle as Rhett Butler and Scarlett O'Hara in a lavish four hour epic that juxtaposes scenes of jaw dropping majesty. Majesty, right? With moments of elegant intimacy and playful verbal jousting. All See, right. I gen and I, I, I still, I don't think they had chemistry. I did not. I never felt yeah. like, wow, those two, though, they really want each other. Now, uh, I now critic one star reviews. It is a bore. Yep, agree. It's remarkable that after spending almost eight hours of my existence in front of this film, I can remember only two points vividly. Did this guy watch it back to back? I was going to say, what did he watch it twice? Yeah. <laughs> I, fi- I still find this film vile and offensive in every part. It purports to show us the lamentable fates of gentility in the Old South, which as a preteen only made me wish General Sherman Godspeed on his appointed rounds in Georgia. I, to that, say, well written, sir. I, you know what? And I, there was a way to make this movie, and with all the elements, the slavery in the South, and you could have made it. You could have made it self-aware, and you could have you could have shown the Southerners for the despicable people they were, and the slaves for the for being in the terrible situation that they were. But this movie did not do it, and that's why I really think it felt but like a parody. To play the devil's advocate. They really couldn't because if it's based off a book, then people are going to say you completely shit on the artist's integrity of the book by making it not. Oh yeah, look, you know, a love letter to slavery. If they would have made made it like all the slaves are like, hey man, hey uh, Manny, you can come and leave as you want to, and I'll pay you a a fair living wage. People would be out of their fucking tits, pissed off. Well, oh, and you know what? And that's a great point that you made that I forgot that I forgot to make. They the, the war ended. And the slaves still all stuck around, which, by the way, in a lot of cases was true because they had nowhere to go and nothing to do. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, but it was it it was just it, jarring to me that they never discussed like I could be free now. Right, like, I I'm am free. free now. Goodbye. Right. Amazon five star reviews. They did not condone it or glorify it, but are sympathetic to the South. If that bothers you, if you hate the antebellum South, watch something else and leave the rest of us to dream what, of what was and what might have been. I know. The South will rise again! Oh, my God. They didn't condone it. The whole movie was them condoning it. Written by the Honky Tonk Man. (laughs) Join the ride in this American, epic American classic, Great Family Movie. 
Now sit down, my son, because we're going to learn some history. Are we going to wear white robes while watching that? If I, my parents, who I mean, my mom's a film, not as much as I am, of course, or a film fan, but if she would just, let's watch this as a family. I mean, first of all, what kid can sit around for four hours? Right. Why do you think Disney films are an hour and 20, hour and 30 max? I feel like in the goatee house, this probably was. Oh, you son of a bitch. Standard watching. You like just saw, you just saw that photo of us in their limo, <laughs> and you got all. The, Ar- the Aryan <laughs> money shot? Yeah. <laughs> I can go, this made me nervous. I back. Yeah, my haircut of the time was a little off. If I was getting into a, ca- getting into a cab and I got in and saw you guys sitting there, I'd be like, you know what? I'll wait for the next I'll one. I'll walk. I'm good. Rickshaw? <laughs> Did not think I would like this movie, but my daughter kept after me to watch it. And guess what? I bought my own copies, plural. That's good. And I have them wrapped in the Confederate flag. I was going to say, why do you need copies? <laughs> One's enough. What can be said for Gomet the Wind other than it is a grand and glorious story of the Old South, which should be in every home in Dixie? Some will say this is not true to life, but it is a story never to be forgotten. If you don't have a copy yet, take Scarlet's advice and... Think about it tomorrow. You know what I have thought about tomorrow? I'm never going to buy this fucking film ever. Who still calls it Dixie? Yeah. Who's People in the South. People who go to laser shows that they show at the, the, the Battle of the Civil War on Stone Mountain in Georgia. This On VHS, this had to be two tapes, Oh, right? it was. Yeah, yeah, people talked about that in reviews. Got the DVD 17 days ahead of projected dates. It will make a wonderful addition to my movie collection. My question is, did this person order from the Pony Express? 17 days? What the fuck? He didn't shell out for Amazon Prime. Do you, yeah, right. Do you live on an island and you get your mail by boat? Amazon one-star reviews. So many things wrong with this movie. But main things are, make slavery look good. A foolish woman obsessed with another woman's man can't get no for an answer and ends up being a dirty mistress. Gross! Gross. In capitals. Scarlet was one of the most obnoxious women in the world, and all she did throughout the whole movie, and I know John said she, she put on a great performance, all she did was cry and whisper. That was her whole range of emotions. I, I can make a... Never mind. I'm just going to end up cutting it anyway. I want to listen back to this stuff and go, yeah, I'm not going to make it. It's funny. I made you laugh or made our guests laugh, but we're doing too well to get canceled this early. Honestly, I wouldn't wouldn't wish my worst enemy to watch this film. I would. I admit it kept me interested all the way through with her ridiculous drama, self-centered personality. I was rolling my eyes throughout. The ending was complete garbage. That's three hours of complete filth. Uh, Three hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. I will never understand why people have hyped this movie up. Do not waste your precious time. You could have spent those three hours, again, 345, writing sentences on a chalkboard and erasing them over and over and get out of more of your life than watching this. What is that, Bart Simpson in the opening credits of The Simpsons? If you haven't seen this movie and you think you want to, just go read the wiki synopsis and do yourself a favor. Right. You'll get the gist. The book is amazing. The movie was unwatchable. We need a modern-day version of Gone with the Wind. No, we no, don't. We don't. No. Oh, you motherfucker. I wrote no. that. <laughs> nope. My grandson kept asking me why these white people were complaining since they got to live in houses. Well, the best character was a slave, and it did not. Grammar and syntax are not going to be part of this review. (laughs) 
Needless to say, after watching this abomination, my grandson is now a radical member of the Black Lives Matter and is currently training for the Mayo side. Would not recommend unless you also want to become radicalized in the face of white nonsense. Also, as a Christian grandmother, I was thoroughly appalled at Clark Gable's reckless use of the D word and his homosexual inspired mustache. <laughs> the D word? Damn. Oh. <laughs> We're going to get upset at that, but not Mayo sign. <laughs> or not the rape? Yeah. <laughs> homosexual inspired mustache. Let's let, let I just want to let that just simmer yeah, for a second. Yeah, uh, that's Freddie Mercury yeah, looking gr- motherfucker. Yeah, I want my grandfather, my, my son to be a radical member of the Black Lives Matter. But okay, the, the gay mustache, that's a bit much. All right. In conclusion, there are not enough gunfights. I want my precious grandbabies to be prepared for when the government comes to force us to all watch terrible, terrible films like this to inspire the population towards white genocide. Thanks, Obama! That's part of that same review. That, thanks, Obama was actually in there? Oh, I thought that was your... I thought that no, was your... <laughs> no, no, it was not. Wow! That was not an off-the-cuff comic wow. by me. And my favorite review... How could anyone say that that this is the greatest movie of all time? The script is absolutely corny. The whole story in general is very unrealistic and dumb. The acting is downright stupid. I disagree with that. Got so boring and after the first 30 minutes, and speaking of minutes, this film, is worthless film, is way too long. Four and a half hours. Where are people, how are people getting such various run times so different here? I, I don't think, because I think we watch this and you just lose track of time. If you want to watch some real entertainment, check out The Matrix, agree. Terminator 2, agree. Blade, agree. Gladiator, agree. Or Independence Day. Some advice from a 15-year-old. He ended ended badly. (laughs) Yeah. Some advice from a 15-year-old. Those are the reviews for Gone with the Winds. I do say those people do not know what they're talking about. Kevin Israel, give me a score from your own opinion of Gone with the Wind. Scale of 1 to 10, I give it a 4. I, and that's purely just off the historical significance of this movie. Yeah, I'm giving it a three, and that's because two style points. This film sucked. Yeah. I don't understand the love affair with it. I this, understand back in the day. Fine, I get that. I, I, this is groundbreaking, trendsetting. I got all that. But just because it's the pioneer doesn't mean it's the best. Yeah, it's, it's, it was painful to watch. It's insanely boring. Forget the racial overtones. I didn't care about the characters. I was invested. Anyone who died was a great goodbye. Fuck you. Besides, yeah, those deaths were all so abrupt and meaningless. Yeah, the uh, the pageantry, the music. I agree. In fact, that sweeping. Nee, 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 nee. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so that's where that came from. Yep. I've heard that song a yeah. million times played, like on on as goofs or setups or whatever. And I, I finally go, oh, that's from Gone with the Wind. Now that I know, and knowing is half the battle. That this film fucking sucks. Uh, yeah, I. I I, I don't I definitely don't get the love of it and nothing it just none of it was there for me it just it just wasn't there for me no and we talked about it in, in the hallway to the studio today this is a film you could not do today no not, nothing in this today or if you were to it would be so egregiously change yeah it, you couldn't do it for that reason it would, it would be a very dark movie it would be a dark hard war movie no 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 not even that i'm saying because of today's times 
it would be changed for the better, which yeah. completely wipes out the original book, which you just wouldn't. Yeah. Someone keeps slack keeps popping up here, which you couldn't do. Yeah. So I, I, I do have to say the one part in the movie that I was like, okay, something it's going to start getting good is when she was working in the hospital. Right, And I thought there was going to be – when I thought her character was going to turn around and I thought now you're seeing the war come to the south and people are starting to realize. And then she just ran out and was like, nope, can't do this. And she went back to being a shallow bitch. Right. And I was like, well, there goes that. And then the movie continued to suck. <laughs> John Fugel saying you have – actually, Kevin Israel, has John Fugel saying change your mind or has he got the sacred cow to, to persuade you to think otherwise? You know, I think – I want to say that he managed to gut the sacred cow, but I don't know. He didn't sway me because, so I just, like I said, I just watched this movie and I hated it. Yeah. I hated every minute of it. I hated it for not, like I said, not as many of the reasons as, as John laid out because all the racist tones in it felt so ridiculously like a parody to me mm-hmm. that I couldn't even yeah. take it seriously. Had I seen it, I think more when I was younger and I'd realize like wh- what they were trying to say. But at this point in 2020, it just feels like a ridiculous parody of a movie. It almost felt like a yeah. long SNL skit. Um, it's about as funny as an SNL skit, too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but he did a good job. But I, I, I mean, I agreed with him from the start. I didn't love the movie. I hated the movie. And I think I'm, I'm right there with him. I uh, He did get the sacred cow. A lot of people, uh, as you just heard in the reviews, huge fans of this. Uh, the, uh, the the number of positive to negative reviews is something about eight to one. It's it's staggering. However, uh, I too I, say, I saw this for the first time this weekend. I hated this film. The rain, the racial tones are not we're, we're not a feel good moment, but goddamn, I thought the plot just slogged. It was dreary. It's like a London rain, or just the, really the, the chill just gets in your bones. You can't get rid of it. It was boring. The characters. At times, sometimes uh, entertaining, but overall, not not enough to get a rise out of me. Does this belong in the top 100? Not at all. At the time, did no. it deserve that? Yes. Now, especially, no. Did not like this film at all. John Fugel saying, we cannot thank you enough for doing Gutting the <laughs> Sacred Cow. I love doing your show on SiriusXM Progressive 127. I'm sure I'll see you next month. But, John, where else Guys. can we find you? Where else can we? Where else can you see you, John? Uh, I'm on Twitter and uh, Facebook and all the socials. I'm performing all around the country. I'm doing one tour with uh, Lewis Black and Alan Zweibel. We're the Magnificent Bastards. It's a sit-down comedy tour. And then I'm doing uh, Stephanie Miller's Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour for a whole bunch of dates. And uh, lots more stuff coming up. And, uh, guys, I just want to add one little thing at the very end. Like, this whole movie stands for everything the Confederate flag stood for. And it was five years ago that Warner Brothers finally stopped licensing uh, little toys of the General Lee you know, the Dodge yeah. car from the yeah. Dukes of Hazard, like, you know, and Challenger. Uh, Amazon and Walmart have finally backed away from selling stuff with the Confederate flag. And so I do think it means that, you know, it's good that we have a cock like this because this movie is so bad. But the fact that we have this talk shows how much better we've gotten as a people. And we still got a long way to go in this film. So loved. But again, there's nothing that the Confederate flag stands for that this movie doesn't stand for. So it's a pleasure to shit on this classic with you both. <laughs> Thanks, John. John, you're a peach. I love you to death. Thank you so much for coming on yet again. Kevin Israel, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at kevinisrael.com, uh, at kevinisrael underscore NJ on Twitter. Uh, and I'm going to be at the, uh, at the Comedy Cove on March oh. 14th and 15th. Did I just make that up? Uh, no, 13th and 14th. March 13th and 14th, and I'm going to be at Wisecrackers out in Pennsylvania the 20th and the 21st. I'm going to be – hopefully I, this, I could get up in time, I think. I will be at 
Confections in Staten Island on the 28th, February 28th. That's this Friday Great if you're show. listening. Yeah, it's Jeffrey Paul. I'm going to do it with him. And uh, KevinGoatee.com for everything else. You can hear me on John Fugelsang show every month on uh, SiriusXM 127. KevinGoatee.com for all the dates. Kevin Israel, it's been fun. Always. John Fugelsang, it was a blast. Thanks again. We will see you soon. Take care. Bye.